Cole McKenna left the chaos at the water's surface for the chaos below. The black water quickly suffocated the floodlights directed down at him from the rescue boats above. Within seconds, it was only him, the strobe attached at his waist and the immense darkness of the sea. His heart seemed to beat in time with the strobe's rhythmic flash. Thump, thump. It was amazing the things one heard when surrounded by darkness. Thump, thump. Cole checked his depth gauge with his left hand, keeping his right fixed on the lifeline. When diving in depths without any natural light and with no distinguishing landmarks, in an ever-changing current, a few seconds off the line was all it took to get disoriented, and those few seconds could mean the difference between life and death. Thirty feet. Thirty-five. Diver two in the water, Gage instructed over the calm from topside. He was glad he'd have Landon Granger at his side tonight. He was going to need all the help he could get. Sonar had indicated that what remained of Henry Reed's float plane tottered on the edge of Outerman's Ridge, 40 feet beneath the surface. He wished the flight manifest had arrived before deployment, so they knew how many passengers had been on board. He hated going in blind. 40 feet. He slipped his external light from his utility belt and switched it on. The Cessna glimmered a murky white in its beam. I'm going offline he alerted topside. Be safe, Cole. Diver three is in the water. Cole swallowed. Roger that. He shouldn't worry any more about Caden than Landon. As dive captain, he was responsible for every member on the rescue team. He couldn't allow the fact that Caden was his sister to affect his decisions. It wouldn't be fair to the rest of the team or to the victims. But a brother's innate protective nature always lingered. He inhaled, the pressure demand regulator automatically releasing a puff of oxygenated air into his face mask. The device made him sound like Darth Vader, each breath deliberate and punctuated. His black neoprene dry suit, gloves, and hoses only added to the image. The glow in the fuselage had disappeared, but the fact the fire had lasted as long as it had bolstered his hope that there was still air trapped in the craft. He prayed their search tonight would end in rescue, and not just recovery. Panning his beam along the vessel, he began his inspection at the tail, torn and jagged, and moved along to the cockpit. His breath hitched at the compressed metal. He prayed Henry had been tossed free before the plane nosedived onto the ridge. At least then there was a chance Ginny would have a body to bury. Going offline. Landon announced a moment before he was at Cole's side. Best access is going to be that door, Cole said. I agree. Landon pulled the crowbar from the gear bag. Caden joined them, her beam of light bouncing off Cole's mask before settling on the fuselage. Landon, you're with me, he instructed. Caden, watch the currents and how this wreckage is moving. Be ready to help lift to the surface. You got it, boss. Cole wedged the crowbar inside the door's seam and, bracing against the sidewall, heaved back. Heat rippled through his fingers and up his arms with the exertion. Three minutes later, the door hung open on its hinges. A tangle of wires littered the opening. 
Cole set to work clearing a pathway. He checked his dive watch. Five minutes closer to the golden hour, the limit for cold water drowning victims to be revived. Any longer and all hope was lost. Not tonight. Not on his watch. He gave Landon the go signal and entered the craft behind him, wedging his body through the opening and to the right. Landon's auxiliary light reflected through the water ahead. I've got two, man and woman, strapped into their seats, right side. Cole didn't recognize the couple. In a town Yancey's size, everyone was a neighbor, so he knew most residents of his town by sight. Flying debris had left the woman with a gash on her face, and the man had taken a hard blow to the temple. He turned the torch on his dive watch.